As an immigrant, I understand the uniqueness of our challenges. We relocate to Canada for different reasons, but we all share one thing in common. We are looking for a better life. Unfortunately, that is not always the reality. My name is Paul Adeyeye. I am on a mission to provide you with the resources that will help you to succeed as an immigrant in Canada. On every episode of the Thriving Immigrant Podcast, we will learn from successful immigrants, entrepreneurs will be sharing their stories, their wins, and lessons so we can learn from them. We will also touch on money management topics such as credit score management, budgeting, and much more. Let's get to it. Cheers to a life of abundance. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Immigrant Podcast. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to host you again today. And I'm super excited about this particular episode because I've got one of the most brilliant minds on the call with me today. My guest is a remarkable woman who has done so much, not just for the community, but for people around the globe using social media and technology to reach people even in the most remote places. And I'm so excited. I'm so impressed by what she has done. And my guest today is Brenda Okoroba. Brenda Okoroba is a learning experience designer, network weaver, grant writer, and training facilitator. With her expertise in coaching students and professionals on college and career readiness, Brenda has achieved remarkable outcomes. Through her guidance, she has assisted diverse learners in securing an outstanding $80.4 million in scholarships and forging successful career paths. Additionally, Brenda has authored a comprehensive college financing directory that encompasses over 21,000 unique financial aids, collectively valued at an impressive $446 billion. This invaluable resource benefits learners worldwide, empowering them to access the financial support they need to pursue their educational aspirations. Join me in welcoming Brenda to the show. Thank you so much, Brenda, for coming. We are so glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. Okay. So my first question to you would be, can you share a little bit about your immigration journey? When did you relocate to Canada? And was it through study route, just a little bit about your journey to Canada. Awesome. So my immigration journey began in December 2012 when I arrived in Canada as an international student to pursue my post-secondary education on a full-ride scholarship sponsored by my state government in Nigeria. So that was how I found myself in this beautiful country called Canada. So my next question would be, I I see that you're very passionate about education and I see that education has been a significant focus in your life. How has your experience as an immigrant shaped your perspective on the importance of education? And how do you believe it can be a transformative tool for other immigrants? Good question. Um, Being an immigrant myself, I deeply understand the transformative power of education, especially education that is inclusive, that caters to the diverse needs of learners, um, education that is also learner-centered. Education is not just about acquiring knowledge and new skills. It's about building confidence and empowering ourselves, empowering individuals to pursue their dreams. Education for me has opened doors. Um, Education is also that tool that empowers individuals. Education provides opportunities for 
personal, community, business, financial, and professional growth. And I believe that education can be a powerful tool for other immigrants as well, enabling them to integrate into any new space or society they find themselves in, building careers that are fulfilling, and also contributing positively and meaningfully to their new communities as immigrants. Education has been a very big driving force in my life. Like ever since I was a child, Timu, now that I'm an adult woman, education has opened doors for me. It has shaped my worldview. It has also helped me become empowered, equipped with the right skills to thrive and navigate um, the different spaces that I occupy. And I believe that education can be a catalyst for positive change and upward mobility for um, other immigrants as well. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that. I love everything that you said. I love the fact that you said education is not just about acquiring knowledge, it's about gaining confidence. And you also talked about empowerment, which leads me to my next question. Empowerment is an interesting concept. And as an immigrant, what personal experiences have driven you to become an advocate for empowerment? particularly among women, because I see a lot of, most of the things you do, you, you show so much passion in empowering women, or let me say female immigrants. Yes, yes, yes. I love that question. Um, the thing is, ever since I was born, you know, I was born in Lagos, Nigeria. My mom told me stories of how women came through for her when she needed support. You know, it was very difficult for her to even bring me into this world at that time. But the nurses there helped her. When I even couldn't start school immediately like my mates, um, I, my home tutor was a woman. And when I came to Canada, um, the people... The people who actually opened their doors for me to come into their homes, the people who opened their hands and said, hey, Brenda, whatever you need, uh, we're here to support you. They were all women, you know, and I'm very thankful to all the women um, that I met in Manitoba where I studied but at the church, in school, in my community, I want to say a very big thank you to everyone who has supported my journey. And um, that is one of the reasons why I will continue to dedicate effective advocacy efforts towards empowering other women because women have always been there for me ever since I was born, um, going to school, immigrating to Canada, looking for a job, um, finding my identity and building that sense of belonging. Women have always come through for me and I think it's very important for me to always um, pay it forward. So my personal experiences as a young immigrant woman from Nigeria um, coupled with my background as an adaptive leader, a systems thinker, and a network weaver, have driven me to become an advocate for effective empowerment, particularly among women. I have seen firsthand the challenges and barriers that women face as immigrants in Canada, and I'm very passionate about providing the right support relevant tools and resources and also access to opportunities that will allow women um, irrespective of their backgrounds irrespective of their experiences so that they can learn and continue to thrive here in Canada and I also firmly believe in the importance of empowering other people so when we talk about empowerment it is not as if women don't know what they want or they don't have a sense of direction or purpose. That's not that's not what it is. Empowerment for me, I see it from a lens of providing additional support, additional platform, additional values that will make women look within them and say, okay, what are the strengths I already possess? What are the skills I already have? What are the, you know, the different talents and knowledge that I already have as a person? And what can I do with them? Where can I use them effectively for my own growth, for my own good? So that's how I view empowerment. Because sometimes, uh, you know, people make it seem that empowerment is like, People don't know what they want. Um, people are confused. So you have to step in 
and save them. No, I am not saving women from anything, but I'm just there in the lives of different women that I've worked with and I'll continue to work with to provide them that additional support, um, additional um, tools and resources for them to thrive and be in full control of what they want to accomplish in, in their lives, you know, because Empowering Women is about showing women how they can take control of their own lives, how they can pursue their dreams and overcome obstacles. So empowering women for me is not only a matter of gender equality, but also a catalyst for positive change um, in their individual lives, in their families, in their communities, and also the societies where they live. So that's why I will continue to dedicate um, effort towards advocacy that is inclusive and also dignifies the women that I work with. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I do appreciate your view or let me say your opinion about empowerment. And it makes a lot of sense. Like you mentioned that that additional support or that additional value is probably the missing part that you are giving and that's what you see as an empowerment which i completely agree because sometimes in life it's those little things those additional supports that prevents people from getting to their destination so thank you for on behalf of i'm i'm not a woman but i appreciate what to do and i i tell people that an educated woman is an educated family an educated family will become an we form an educated community or an educated society. So when you empower a woman, you are not just empowering that woman, you are empowering more people unconsciously. So I appreciate that and thank you for doing that. My next thank question you. to you, you're welcome, would be Building a sense of community is vital for immigrants adjusting to a new country. You've been here for over for over ten years. And yes. Can in your view, how can communities come together to support and uplift immigrant populations effectively? Thank you. Something okay, let me start. Let me answer this question with something we say in my language. We say, Ameketuni. Ameketuni in my language means let us fix us, let's come together, let's collaborate, let's co create, let's do things together. And um, that particular concept has made me realize how important it is. Um, to build a sense of community and not just building a sense of community, but building a sense of belonging where everyone feels seen, everyone feels valued, everyone feels cared for, and everyone feels loved, right? That is what community is all about. And that is why everywhere I go, I try my best possible to advocate for collective prosperity because I believe when everyone prospers together, we succeed together, we're growing together. Um, our community will not just only be a stronger one, but also an enjoyable one, right? Especially as immigrants here in Canada. So for me, communities can come together to support and uplift um, each other, especially in the immigrant um, communities we have across Canada. And how can we do that? So one thing that I always do at my work, right, is to do what I call a needs assessment. Everyone has to come together, depending on the communities where you find yourself, the spaces that you occupy as an immigrant in Canada, people who are like-minded, people who are visionaries, people who are system thinkers, people who are solution-driven can come together do a needs analysis or needs assessment. Like, what do we need? Why do we need these things? Where can we get the things that we need? Whether they are tangible or intangible needs. 
And how do we move further or how do we move forward from where we are, right? So when people do that needs assessment or needs analysis, that is what will now make us have a clear understanding of what our top priorities are in terms of our needs as immigrants in any community that we occupy. And we can do this by creating inclusive spaces, right? Like I said earlier, community building is not just bringing people together and then people do not feel valued, they don't feel seen, they don't even feel cared for. So we can start building communities by establishing spaces that are very inclusive, spaces where people feel brave, not just safe, okay? And we can offer mentorship. So I know everyone talks about mentorship, go and get a mentor, go and get a coach. Sometimes mentorship can be toxic. So while we are trying to build communities or mobilize communities, let us make sure that whatever mentorship or coaching or um, brave spaces that we're creating doesn't suffocate the people we are trying to create those things for, right? So mentorship should be something that community members actually need, right? And it doesn't suffocate them. We should also offer networking opportunities because I believe in the transformative power of synergetic relationships. And when I say synergetic relationships, I mean where there are nodes and bonds, where there are interconnectedness, where we have connections. We can offer mentorship that doesn't suffocate community members. We can create networking opportunities. We can create spaces that are inclusive, spaces that are brave, so everyone can share insights and knowledge. We can also create access to resources that can greatly contribute to immigrant success, especially when it comes to transitioning and integrating ourselves into the new environment that we occupy in Canada. And I'm saying all of this because when individuals from diverse backgrounds come together and support one another, that's what Amiketuni in my language stands for. It fosters a strong, sense of belonging. It also helps build communities that benefits everyone. Like everybody's benefiting from that community that has been established. It is not just only mutual, it is symbiotic. People are putting in efforts, they're putting in resources, they're creating spaces, and at the same time, they're getting something in return. That is how I see community building, right? And community building is not uh, a one-off thing that you just start and then when you bring people together, for example, you say, oh, all Nigerians who live in Ottawa or all Nigerians who live in Ontario come together, let's form an association or organization. And then what next? So community building has to be an intentional process. It has to be sustainable. Um, things have to go into those communities so that they can stand the test of time, right? That's how I view community building. Uh, it's not something one person will just start one day and then after four, three, five years, you get tired. No, make sure that whatever foundation you're laying based on the principles and values that will hold members of those communities together are things that will stand for a very long time. And even when we're getting old, the younger immigrants, our children, our unborn children, will continue to benefit from the community that we've established. So that's what community building is all about for me. Oh wow, Brenda, you 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 said a whole lot in this in this one, like and I can I agree with everything you said. And from my experience, I don't know if you have, if you've come across the Jewish community or if you've read anything about the Jewish community. They, they are not many in terms of population, but wherever they find themselves, they are the strongest when it comes to that communal relationship. And they do very well. They succeed early. 
and they are very passionate about that. And I think that one thing that is missing in the black community, like there's still some kind of some kind of I know we are competitive in nature, but we still kind of believe in individual success rather than collective success. I don't know if you if you understand what I'm trying to talk about. Yes, it happens. I think it happens in different communities, not just the black community. So that's why, like I that's why I said, you know, if we're building or establishing communities as um immigrants, black immigrants, it's very essential for us to um, ensure collective prosperity, right? I mean, it's very normal for individuals or for human beings to compete, but at a point, it just gets really tiring, right? Because you don't want to be the only person who will wake up and stand up. You come out tomorrow on social media, I'm the first person to do this, I'm the first Black person to do that. I think we have to move past that and get to a point where as we are celebrating our individual wins and accomplishments, there are also hundreds, if not thousands and millions of other black people or immigrants like us who are also celebrating their own wins and achievements. So our goal is to keep pursuing and promoting collective prosperity and not just individual um, prosperity or accomplishments, yes. Right. Thank you for thank you for that input. And I another thing I picked from your last response is you emphasize so much on brave space, and that is very important. Like, let's build a brave space, I, I, and I think I appreciate that. So, thank you. I, you're welcome. So, my next question to you would be: Your work has undoubtedly made a positive impact on the lives of many individuals. Can you share a specific story or an inspiring moment of your impact on the community? <laughs> there are so many stories to be shared, um, but I think one that has stood out for me um, was the time, I think it was, towards the end of 2017 and also throughout 2018 where I intentionally used my social media, uh, especially my Twitter and my LinkedIn to share as many opportunities and resources as I could at that point. And I saw the change. I saw the positive impacts in the lives of people um, not just within the immigrant community in Canada, but across Africa, back in Nigeria, and seeing how people were sharing their success stories that, hey, Brenda, it was on your timeline. I found this scholarship, I applied, and I traveled overseas, something I never thought I could accomplish. People who were out of employ paid employment, people were getting jobs because I was also sharing job opportunities, especially um, remote work, freelance work, and also foreign jobs where um, employers are hiring internationally trained professionals. And people building their self-confidence. That like it just made me realize how we can actually use anything we have within our reach for the purpose of social good and collective prosperity. For me at that time, social media, especially Twitter became a tool. And then I moved on to providing personalized um, services in terms of listening to people, providing support to them. I remember I, opened a telegram community and when i opened that community there were actually eighteen thousand plus subscribers right and i was sharing opportunities people were really thankful people were very excited i remember someone saying brenda's timeline on twitter and also our telegram um community is way 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 
um, bigger than the university that they've even gone to. It was a gold mine. So for me, like when I did calculations based on the amount of funding that a lot of um, learners had received, um, it was about 80, 80, um, 80 million, 80.4 million, if not more. And I also took a step further to write, uh, it's like a resource guide and a directory that contains over 30,000 distinct um, opportunities when it comes to school, getting jobs, getting grants. And I can share that. I shared it with some people already. And that one alone, I'm looking at billions of dollars in that directory. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that soon I will be making it very um, accessible to everyone across the world. So for me, my biggest moment of impact is um, effectively using um, social media as a tool for social good where students and learners from low-income homes underfunded communities, um, not just in Canada, but across the world, um, got access to um, education that covered their, fund, their, their tuition costs through scholarships, bursaries, fellowships, and also people seeing professionals, early career professionals, mid-level professionals, and even senior level professionals getting access to fulfilling careers. So that, that, that one is one um, big moment of impact for me. Right. So I, I, I remember, I think I started following your Twitter, maybe 2017 or 2018. And I can't, I'm sure there are more people that benefited from your posts, from your tweets, that probably did not even come back to say thank you or for some reasons they couldn't reach you. And I'm really inspired by what you do. I'm grateful to you for empowering people across the globe. Social media is such a powerful tool. And if people can focus on the on the positive side, there's a lot you can get from social media. Like you sit down somewhere, you tweet about resources that are changing destinies across different parts of the world. I think that's powerful and I think that's very, very impactful. So thank you once again for doing that. I usually share your tweets and I think I, I, I sh whenever I see all those things I share with people back in Nigeria or wherever I think benefit from it. And I know that there are more people that benefited thank you. that have not even come back to say thank you. Maybe those ones are not even captured in your data. So when you're talking about $80.4 million, it's probably more than that. And you know the thing about social media posts, somebody else may see it two years after, three years after, four years after, and it will still have, <laughs> That's right. it will still have an impact on them. Okay. So thank you and keep up the good work. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. So being a female immigrant, what do you think are some of the key orders that female immigrants face in Canada? And how do you think they can overcome these obstacles to achieve their personal and professional goals? Wow, that's a very good question. Um, as someone, I mean, I'm very passionate about people having access to inclusive education, decent employment, and also people feeling empowered to pursue their dreams. And um, being in the workforce development sector then Canada, um, I have realized that immigrant women often face unique challenges. Uh, some of those challenges include language barriers. I've worked with women, like I've provided employment support services to women um, when I was at my previous um, job. I worked with women who they had, you know, some of the challenges they experienced was uh, um, language barrier. We also see them 
are experiencing cultural differences. There's just that culture shock when you move to a new environment because things are not as the same as where you're coming from. Uh, women also experience limited access to resources. Even women who are business owners here in Canada, I have seen them complain that it can be quite difficult to access funding, right? And not everyone wants to run a nonprofit. Um, some of the immigrant women are running businesses, startups, and it can get really difficult to access funding, to get access to certain resources you need to grow, whether it's in your career or the business you're running. And like, let's be very truthful here, systemic racism is a thing in this country. And this is why systems policy is also very, very important so that we can tackle the different um, barriers and challenges that immigrant women are facing. And I believe that to overcome these obstacles or challenges, it is very important for the government, whether provincial, federal, um, government of Canada, to provide targeted supports. Um, and they can do this in collaboration with other key stakeholders, whether nonprofit organizations, um, community-led organizations, institutions, academic institutions, research institutions. Everyone should collaborate to provide targeted support and resources that are specifically tailored to the needs of immigrant women. Um, mentorship programs, right? Mentorship programs that are not just gender responsive, but gender transformative um, should also be provided to immigrant women across Canada. Um, all thanks to some of the social impact um, organizations across Canada who are providing immigrant services. I love how uh, many of these organizations are providing language classes to help women um, overcome language barriers because once language barrier exists, it's very difficult for women to get the jobs that they, um, they, they want. And I also believe that networking opportunities or events um, should also be be created. Like we already have them, but sometimes people go for networking events, they enter into certain spaces and they feel invisibilized. They are not seen, they are not recognized. So let us um, continue to create or design networking opportunities and events where immigrants, women will feel that they really belong to those spaces. Uh, and this way, when we provide some of these recommendations to these challenges and barriers, we can help immigrant women to build their confidence, to expand their professional network, to pursue their goals, to be themselves without having to, um, you know, change the stories of, hey, as you're coming to Canada, you have to talk this way, you have to dress this way, you have to act this way or behave this way. While I do recognize um, that cultural adaptation is important, I also believe that people don't necessarily need to throw away their own personal values and whatever life philosophies that they hold. Um, you can adapt to a new environment while you still remain your authentic self. At the government level, like I mentioned earlier, we need systems policy um, that will help our Canadian society address stereotypes, um, that will help the society break down barriers, um, and also creates inclusive spaces where immigrant women can thrive, um, where immigrant women can succeed, where immigrant women can live a life without um, 
judgment can live a life without fear or just live a life where they know, hey, I am actually welcomed into these spaces. I'm welcomed in this new society or this new um, environment that I find myself in. So um, those are some of the recommendations that I have for the different barriers and challenges that immigrant women face here in Canada. Oh, wow. Thank you for sharing that. So somehow you've touched on my next question, which is like, I believe you must have encountered various misconceptions or stereotypes because you talked about systemic racism, about immigrants. I don't think this question is still valid anymore. I wanted to check if, like, how do you believe these misunderstandings can be addressed and replaced with more accurate and compassion narratives? So I know you've, you talked about it, but do you want to share more things about? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, so one thing that I've realized is that human beings, will continue to form perceptions about other people, about their environment and the spaces they occupy. And when we form perceptions as human beings, um, sometimes uh, there will be misconceptions, stereotypes, um, implicit biases, right? So addressing when it comes to misconceptions and stereotypes about immigrants in Canada, um, I think it requires um, an approach that involves various strategies and efforts, right? Um, some of these um, efforts and strategies can include um, effective advocacy efforts, policy advocacy, um gender mainstreaming um, um also needs to mobilize knowledge and communities uh, and also storytelling because one thing that I, I i always tell myself as a young person is that i cannot give someone else the permission to hold a pen and write my own story for me when i'm still alive right so Storytelling can actually help change narrative, whether it's on, it's on an individual level, a community level. People, especially we immigrants, we have every power to control narratives about us as people. We can tell our own stories. We can rewrite history. We can share our accomplishments. We can share our lived experiences the way we want it for greater good. So like I mentioned earlier, gender mainstreaming can involve integrating gender perspectives into all policies, programs, activities, initiatives that are targeted towards immigrant populations in Canada. And this, and we can do this by, you know, considering the unique lived experiences and challenges that immigrants face and what exactly our needs. Remember I mentioned earlier why doing or conducting a needs assessment is very important before we even start building communities or creating opportunities for ourselves. So this approach can actually help in challenging um, gender stereotypes and also ensuring that whatever policies that governments and organizations are implementing, these policies and programs are more inclusive, gender transformative and equitable for all immigrants, regardless of our gender. Another thing again for me, um, when it comes to addressing stereotypes and misconception, is effective advocacy efforts, right? Um, we cannot just wake up and say, hey, I want to advocate for this. I want to advocate for that. Our efforts should be very intentional. It should be deliberate. Efforts that are effective, right? 
Because advocacy, whether we like it or not, advocacy plays an important role in challenging misconceptions and stereotypes about immigrants in Canada. And these efforts include raising awareness about our contribution and achievement as immigrants. While I do acknowledge that we need to tackle problems, we need to talk about the everyday challenges and problems we experience as immigrants, I also strongly believe that we need to raise more awareness about our contributions and accomplishments and achievements of immigrants in Canada, right? Because a lot of our children are doing amazing in school. Our fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters and elders, they are also contributing um, a lot in Canada, yeah. So more stories should be told. We're not just only going to dwell on our struggles, but also those success stories. They matter because that's what will shape the mindset of other immigrants who are coming into the country. We are here to rewrite history. We are here to contribute towards our own community building. We are here to dispel myths. We are also here to promote positive narratives about ourselves. So effective policy advocacy is one way to address misconceptions and stereotypes about immigrants. I also mentioned that systems policy is key, right? Policies that address systemic barriers, um, discrimination faced by immigrants, right? And these policies, you, 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 we need these policies in different sectors, different aspects, right? In education, in employment, in healthcare, in housing, and other essential services that immigrants can benefit from. Right. So when we implement system policies, uh, whether it's at the federal, or provincial level, or even local level, or wherever we find ourselves, right, this is what we help promoting inclusion, right, social inclusion for immigrants. This is also what we help create an environment, a society where all immigrants feel welcomed. They are supported and they are also dignified, right? Because what I've noticed over the past few years, people, especially government, policies have been implemented. Today, you hear one policy was launched, you hear this, you hear that. But we begin to ask ourselves, so why are people still facing discrimination? Why are people still being stereotyped? Why are people still being targeted, right? There's so much hate going on around the world and even here in our, in, our, in our country here in Canada. So systems policies are very, very important. And like I mentioned earlier, let's tell our stories. Let's write our own stories, tell our own stories, because storytelling is a powerful tool in changing perceptions and also creating uh, empathy, Right. Share your personal stories as immigrants. Share your journey. Talk about your struggle. Talk about your successes. Humanize your experiences. Right. Give yourself grace. As immigrants, we have to learn how to give ourselves grace because it's not easy moving from one part of the world to another part of the world. So recognize that, hey, even though I'm an immigrant here in Canada, I belong. I belong to this space that I occupy. And let us recognize our shared humanity as, uh, as people. I believe, me, I personally, as Brenda, I believe that immigrant-led storytelling initiatives can particularly be impactful because they allow immigrants to share their own narratives in their own words and also give immigrants agency over how they want to be portrayed. So um, those are some of the strategies and approaches that I think um, can be implemented when it comes to addressing misconceptions and stereotypes about immigrants in Canada. Oh, wow. Thank you, Brenda. That's, that was such a very intelligent response. And... 
I appreciate everything you've said. And I agree completely that nobody will tell your story for you. You've, you just have to tell your stories. And that will help in changing and helping people to see the positive side. And it will help them in changing their perspectives also. Because I've, I've been to different places. And in fact, I, I, I had an encounter with a, with a man that was asking, did I learn English in Canada or do they speak English in my country? So if nobody tells, if we don't tell our stories, nobody will really understand our journey. Um, we, we, we'll be limiting ourselves. So I agree with you. And I think that storytelling part is one thing we need to be intentional about. So thank you. Thank you very much for talking about that. This is likely to be my last question for this episode. It's been a, it's been a very insightful session with you. I've learned a whole lot and I'm, I'm happy that you came to the show. Looking ahead. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. What are your aspirations and future plans for your work in education, empowerment and community building? That's the first part. Then the second part is, do you offer one-on-one consultation? And if somebody, if people want to reach out to you, how can they contact you? Good question. <laughs> Allow me to laugh. You know what? As a Nigerian woman, I just wanted to say, I don't have strength to aspire to perspire. <laughs> Oh my god, that's but um <laughs> you know there's something about um my life right now. Um I have come to that realization that rest is also resistance because society is always putting so much pressure. Um, you know, you have to do this, what next are you accomplishing? What next is on your to-do list? What are your next goals that you need to achieve? So I, I for, for myself, I am, you know, telling myself that it is okay to rest. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay not to even aspire. <laughs> Just rest and enjoy. Rest and reflect. But um, when it comes to community work, with regards to helping or supporting as many people as I can to have access to quality education and employment opportunities. I would like to say my aspirations um, and also future plans involve, you know, just building those brave spaces where diverse people can come together to learn, to share ideas, to share opportunities, network, and, um, you know, promote collective prosperity. I don't have to own an office space or a physical space for people to come in. All thanks to technology and social media, we can use social media for social good, for the work that I want to do um, as, you know, as a network weaver. So for me, I want to continue to reach more diverse learners, individuals and communities across Canada, across the world, and support them in achieving their personal and professional goals um, in the little ways that I can, because I, I, for myself, I enjoy sparking joy in the lives of people. Um, additionally, I aim to collaborate. Um, I want to collaborate with um, um, more individuals, organizations, institutions to create innovative programs, uh, to design learning experiences that drive positive and economic opportunities for immigrants and underrepresented communities. And um, ultimately, <laughs> I want to leave a lasting impact on the lives of 
individuals and communities, fostering a society that values diversity, social inclusion, um, equity, and also belonging. So those are the things that I want to do. <laughs> and um, can people contact me? Yes, I still have a, a Telegram uh, community. It's a new one. I share opportunities, tools, and resources there every week, except, um, you know, seasons or periods of my life where I just need a break, but I share opportunities there. Um, I also have a page on um, LinkedIn, Moments with Brand. There's a LinkedIn page. Um, you can find opportunities, tools, information on that on that page as well. I am also um, on Twitter. Um, sometimes on Twitter, I take breaks, but people can follow my accounts. Um, there's Len with Brand, and then there's Moments with Brand, and have access to um, the resources and opportunities that I share there. One on one, yes. Uh, we have a website, www.momentswithbrand.org. <laughs> so people can go there and see the things that we offer. If you want to be part of um, a community that allows you to learn, to make mistakes, to have access to opportunities, uh, a place where you can get support, please feel free to reach out to me. And that being said, um, I wish everyone all the best in everything that you do and um, never give up. And even though I'm saying never give up, please find time to prioritize rest when you can. And um, I wish everyone, all your listeners, the very best. Thank you. Thank you, Brenda, for coming. I love this last part that's we should learn to rest. It's important to rest as much as we want to aspire, but it's important that we also rest. And for everyone listening, if you are not following Brenda on Twitter, Brenda is one of the most resourceful, one of the most resourceful people I've met. And that Andu, I will call it the golden Andu. So follow Brenda on Twitter. Our Twitter Andu is Moments with Bren. And our website is www.momentswithbrand.org. Is that correct, Brenda? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate all the inputs, your insights. You've you said it all lot, and I'm looking forward to hosting you again. And <laughs> is I'm sure we have a lot more to talk about. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.